May I have the envelope, please? May I have the envelope, please? The best picture of the year is... The best picture of the year. The best picture of the year. I am happy to announce that the winner is... The winner is... And the winner... The winner is... The winner is... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Envelope Podcast. Here on the Envelope, we discuss and review every Best Picture winner in the Academy Awards history. Today, we are discussing the 77th Best Picture winner, Million Dollar Baby. My name is Nicole Moomy, and joining me today are Sky Wathen. Hello. And Sean Wathen. Hello. Before we get to our film this week, let's chat briefly about the history of the 77th Academy Awards. The 77th Academy Awards were held on February 27, 2005 at the Kodak Theater in Hollywood, California. Actor Chris Rock hosted the show for the first time. Opting for a younger face in an attempt to increase viewership while renewing interest with the nominated films, producer Gil Cates selected actor and comedian Chris Rock to host the 2005 ceremony. In addition, notable changes were made to give the ceremony a sleek, interactive look while shortening the length of the ceremony. Cates announced that in certain categories, all five nominees would be up on stage prior to the announcement of the award. In other instances, the actor or actress would present the award in the audience. That That's is so weird. I remember this Oscars because it was real the whole weird. Thing was odd. The whole thing was uncomfortable. Yeah, all of that is to be on stage and like the losers shuffle off. Or uh-huh. you know what? You're gonna win. I want to walk up on that stage yeah. to that yeah. music. Hopefully, not eat crap like Jennifer <laughs> Lawrence. Yeah, and stand up there and yeah, look out at my peers and give my speech. Did the other people just stand behind them as they gave their speech? Or did they start walking back? I mean, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, I don't did. remember. How they was just... that cut time? Yeah. I think they did a wide shot, and when they won, it went to a tight shot on the speaker. But who knows what was happening with them on stage? Yeah, just to awkward. get everyone up on stage, too. It's like, it feels like it would take more time, but mm-hmm. I don't know. And you can't be next mess. to, like, your loved one to give them a kiss or, like, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's so weird. Like, for, and, like, yeah, exactly. I like those moments, Yeah, and too. the energy of the group who made the movie with you, like, excited for you. I just think it's weird. I don't think they ever did it again. We'll, we'll find out, I guess. Uh, during his monologue, host Chris Rock joked, Clint Eastwood's a star, okay? Tobey Maguire's just a boy in tights. He also added, you want Tom Cruise and all you can get is Jude Law? Wait. You want Russell Crowe and all you can get is Colin Farrell? Wait. Alexander is not Gladiator. Oh, this is so uncomfortable. Even mm-hmm. uh-huh. In response, Sean Penn rebutted Rock's remarks, praising Law as one of the generation's finest actors. Over a year later, Law expressed his anger towards Rock in the New York Times, telling columnist Craig Moderno, "At first, I laughed because I didn't think he knew who I was. Then I got angry at his remark as his remarks became personal. My friends were livid. It's unfortunate I had five or six films coming out at the same time." What, you have to be apologetic about that? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a major, you yeah, know, you it's unfortunate. Yeah, you were just a shitload of movies. Mm-hmm. And I get Chris Rock was trying to make a joke about that, but it didn't land right. No, and this is just, weird. again, added to the awkwardness of this whole ceremony. Oh, God, you want Tom Cruise and all you can get is Jude Law? Wait, that is so insulting. Yeah. Like, the, I like when the occasion of the Academy Awards and the setup of it, I get that there's comedians up there and there's going to be some jabs. Mm-hmm. Fine. And people should have a sense of humor about themselves, depending. But I like when it's more, maybe this is me, when it's more about the history of the of movies and it's about <clears throat> reverence and, yeah. and building people up. And, like, people are tuning in to see 
actor. You know what? They're not there to watch people be made fun of. Yeah. At least I, I don't tune in. And it feels like that's something for the Golden Globes, where that's yeah. like where even the actors, all the nominees are out drinking in the crowd and stuff, and it's just a giant party. It's, that's when you can like rib on each other and stuff. But I hold the Oscars to a higher class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like you can still make the jokes. And I love when Billy Crystal does like his opening musical numbers and stuff. But to specifically target people and tear them down in this manner just didn't work. Yeah, like if you want to talk about maybe something you can poke fun at at a character in the movie or something like that. But that is, you're talking about these people personally. You're the Jude Law, Colin Farrell, like. Yeah. Bummer. Uh, The Aviator won the most awards of the night with five, but it was Million Dollar Baby that took home Best Picture along with three other Oscars. Other winners included The Incredibles and Ray with two awards each. At age 74, Clint Eastwood became the oldest winner for Best Director in Oscar history. With his latest unsuccessful nomination for directing The Aviator nominee, Martin Scorsese joined Robert Altman, Clarence Brown, Alfred Hitchcock, and King Vidor as the most nominated individuals in the Best Director category without a single win at the time. Best Actor winner Jamie Foxx became the second actor and 10th individual overall to earn two acting nominations in the same year, Best Actor for Ray and Best Supporting Actor for Collateral. By virtue of her by virtue of her portrayal of Katherine Hepburn, Best Supporting Actress winner, Kate Blanchett was the first performer to portray a previous Oscar winner. <laughs> All Otro Lado Del Rio from the Motorcycle Diaries became the second song with non-English lyrics to win Best Original Song. The first to achieve this feat was the titular song for the 1960s Greek film Never on Sunday at the 33rd Academy Awards. Robin Williams initially wanted to sing a humorous song written by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman uh, during the presentation of the Best Animated Feature Award, satirizing the controversy regarding, quote, focus on family and a music video sponsored by We Are Family Foundation featuring animated characters such as SpongeBob SquarePants singing the song We Are Family. The song contained lyrics, such lyrics as Pinocchio had his nose done, Sleeping Beauty is popping pills, the Three Pigs Ain't Kosher, Betty Boop Works Beverly Hills. However, Kate's and NBC officials deemed the song overly vulgar and offensive for the telecast and was dropped altogether after writers Shaman and Whitman had trouble rewriting more appropriate lyrics. Williams eventually presented the Best Animated Feature Award as scheduled, but silently mocked the debacle by entering the stage with duct tape over his mouth before speaking. In addition to the annual In Memoriam tribute, a special tribute to five-time host Johnny Carson was presented by host Chris Rock, with previous presenter Whoopi Goldberg discussing Carson's legacy to television and the Academy Awards in this segment. Later in the broadcast, Best Actor winner Jamie Foxx briefly eulogized singer and musician Ray Charles, who died in June of 2004. An Academy Honorary Award was presented to director, producer, and screenwriter Sidney Lumet. Mm -hmm. Uh, in recognition of his brilliant services to screenwriters, performers, and the art of the motion picture. The Gene Hirschhalt Humanitarian Award was presented to film executive Roger Mayer. In 1986, Mayer became president and chief executive of Turner Entertainment. In that position, he was responsible for managing the large library of motion pictures that Ted Turner had purchased from MGM, including high-profile restorations and re-releases of landmark MGM films like Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz. Mayer became a founder and chair of the National Film Preservation Foundation in 1996. 
In that capacity, he was credited with enabling the preservation of more than 2,000 orphan films, which are films whose original copyright had expired or otherwise lacked commercial potential sufficient enough to pay for their preservation. In addition, Mayer also served as a chairman of the Motion Picture and Television Fund, an industry charity that provides health care and social services. Starting this year, the category of Best Documentary Short Subject was changed to Best Documentary Short. And with that, the Academy, the Academy Award categories this year were Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Original Screenplay, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Animated Feature Film, Best Foreign Language Film, Best Documentary Feature, Best Documentary Short, Best Live Action Short Film, Best Animated Short Film, Best Original Score, Best Original Song, Best Sound Editing, Best Sound Mixing, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Makeup, Best Costume Design, Best Film Editing, and Best Visual Effects. <laughs> the Academy Awards Tetuette depicts a knight holding a crusader sword standing on a reel of film with five spokes. The five spokes represent the original branches of the Academy, actors, writers, directors, technicians, and producers. And as usual, that's how we will break down our review of this week's Best Picture winner, Million Dollar Baby. The film won over The Aviator, Finding Neverland, Ray, and Sideways. Any of which should so have won. So crazy that it beat all of those. The any of them. The, the Aviator should have won. But literally won. any of those should have then beat. Then Finding middle. Neverland, yeah. then Sideways, then Ray, then Million Dollar Baby. And even movies that weren't up for Best Picture. Eternal yeah. Sunshine of the Spotless yeah. Mind yes. should have been nominated and kicked Million Dollar Baby <clears throat> off the nomination. 110%. Like, fine if you want to, like, keep Swank for acting. I guess I'd have to look at the other actresses. But it's like, yeah, the other nominees and stuff, even Eastwood as director, I still don't think he should have won. But mm -hmm. I can see nominating him, Swank, and Freeman. But it's like... No. Yeah, no. There Kate Winslet so for Eternal Sunshine should have won. For sure, Kate should. Kate should have won. Give Kate all the things. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. And just yeah, the Aviator should have won. Anyway, yeah, Million Dollar Baby is a sports drama film based on. <laughs> you sound very excited about it. <laughs> Can't you tell? Yeah. Million Dollar Baby is a sports drama film based on short stories by FX Tool, the pen name of fight manager and cut man Jerry Boyd. The film follows Frankie Dunn, a veteran Los Angeles boxing trainer who keeps almost everyone at arm's length except his old friend and associate, Eddie Scrapiron Dupree. When underdog amateur boxer Margaret Maggie Fitzgerald arrives in Frankie's gym seeking his expertise, he is reluctant to train the young woman, a transplant from working class Missouri. Eventually, he relents, and the two form a close bond that will irrevocably change them both. Directed by Clint Eastwood, the film stars Clint Eastwood as Frankie Dunn, Hilary Swank as Maggie Fitzgerald, Morgan Freeman as Eddie Scrapiron Dupree, Jay Baruchel as Danger Barch, Mike Coulter as Big Willie Little, Anthony Mackie as Sherelle Barry, and Michael Pena as Omar. Moving into our first book, let's chat about the writing. I forgot Mike Coulter was in this till he popped up. He'll go on to be in the Marvel series. Um, Wait, Mike Pen Pena? Mike, no, Mike uh, Coulter. He's, um, oh my god, not Iron Fist, but he has his own Marvel TV series that was on with Daredevil and why can't I think of the name of it? I'm blanking. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And now that you said Iron Fist, I can't think of anything but Iron Fist. No, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> it's not that series. It's, ah, uh, this guy's going to look it up. See, like, cause, but it was cool to see Mike Coulter because he's such a great actor. And I forgot that he that's was That's who plays in Dangerous this. Dylan? No, it's no. the guy who Luke plays Cage. the. Luke Cage. Oh, yeah, he's geez, Luke Cage. I'm all over the place. So he's. Big Willie Little, the the first boxer. The first boxer that leaves Frank at the oh, because he's so yeah, good. Yeah, and yeah, now he's great. Career, he's really gotten to I feel like expand as an actor, and yeah. I totally forgot he was even in this movie. And he's hard, you know, he only has a few scenes, yeah. but it was cool to see him because I completely forgot. And yeah, Jay Burchell 
at the time is known for doing like off the wall gross out comedies and stuff yeah. i mean he has bit parts in a lot of um what's the guy who directed 40 year old virgin judd after like a yeah. lot of his movies and stuff and now he's actually directing and stuff so it was fun to see him like in this early cool because when you said mike Coulter, michael pena is in um ant-man isn't yeah. he yeah so. yeah well and anthony mackie is falcon <laughs> yeah yeah so, i like I him know. much everyone's better in marvel the, <laughs> i like him much better as the falcon and i'm glad that i saw him more in that than this role because i i truly hate his character (laughs) (laughs) i think you're supposed to but you're definitely supposed to the cast in this i completely forgot like all these people were in it it's like oh man it's great to see them it's a great cast yeah that's where it ends (laughs) yeah there's a good movie in here that that dies literally in the middle get through the duration and i will i can't talk about my what my problems with the writing in the script are until we have the full-fledged story out (laughs) so the film opens on a boxing match with the focus on aged boxing trainer frankie dunn as the film's narrator states that frankie is the only man he would not want to fight frankie is in the corner of big willie his most valued boxer Despite winning the match, Frankie turns down a title shot opportunity because he feels Willie needs a few more matches before he is ready for a title fight. On his way out the door, Frankie is approached by Maggie Fitzgerald, a female boxer who wants Frankie to be her trainer. A dismissive Dunn says he does not train girls, quote, girly tough ain't enough. Uh, A glimpse into Frankie's personal life displays that he lives alone, attends Catholic Mass daily, and owns the Hit Pit, a Los Angeles-based gym slash training facility. Uh, we then meet the narrator of the film, Mr. Scrap, an employee of the Hit Pit. I do like the voiceover because, I mean, it's Freeman. Because it's God. And he yeah. always <laughs> just it reminded me of, like, March of the Penguins mm-hmm. and Shawshank. Mm-hmm. And I do like in this, Eastwood is very grumpy but lovable as a character. Well, you can well, the, the thing is, so. is you don't really know. Like, I, one of my favorites is like kind of the development of his character because you don't yeah. know where he is. Mm-hmm. Like, you see him talking with a priest, and he's like pissing the priest off. Who the priest Almost even ends up? Yeah. yeah, he's is intentionally like questioning faith, and you're sort of like you're led to believe initially like that he's doing it to get a rise out of the priest, or that he gets enjoyment out of it. And, it could, and then the priest asks him, "Did you write your daughter?" And he says, "Every week." And he goes, "Now you're lying to a priest." So you're kind of yeah. not on his side because you're like. I'm going to believe the priest. He's really annoyed. This guy's like a crotchety old man, this curmudgeon man or whatever. So you're like, why? And as the film unravels, you realize he does have good intentions and he is just exploring his faith or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, so it has all that set up, but he's kind of just, you know, Clint Eastwood playing that character. That's grumpy. He's yeah. just grumpy. <laughs> I don't find him loving <laughs> Well, first of all, he's, grumpy he's a dick to her when he basically being like, girls can't fight. Fuck you. Like, yeah. I, and I just feel like, do we need that story? <laughs> Girly tough ain't enough. That's and, such a shit line. And he's like, <laughs> I just found so he's clearly like, <clears throat> you know, doesn't have any money. He's driving some shitty beat up car. Like, and he's got this prize fighter who he basically won't let title fight. It's not even just that he won't, he doesn't take it. Like he, he's too scared to let him title fight essentially yeah. is what because we learned. Because of what happened. Yeah. To- and so the one thing and I was like oh the movie will explain this later and it never does and this is one of my big problems as the movie goes on Maggie when she introduces herself she says I was the undercard I won my fight did you see it Mm -hmm. you know blah 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 and then we come to find the hit pit. The hit pit isn't some grand gym it's some like neighborhood in like some iron building in some bad section of town Um, and kind of like it seems like almost like a hangout in like a boys and club yeah. boys club style yeah. sort of a thing 
what, like the whole movie rests on her wanting to, him to be her trainer and she will accept nobody else but him and they never explain why why does she know and why him yeah. he's not famous enough it's not like he's getting big title fights or he's some great he is some man with a great past but it's it's not like some clouded past you know what i mean he's when not, he even i don't think it's not he some, was even a title fighter like, so like he, it's not like he was some great makes, in his day he's so the best to, cut man yeah, yeah so to me like the whole foundation of this film which is never explained is why is it so important that he is her only trainer and she's so true to him yeah. there's no backing for it yeah because she keeps saying like i know you'll make me yeah. like the best fighter yeah. you're the one who's going to train me the best but there should have been a monologue of like why yeah right. did she go to a fight and just talk about like sitting there with the crowd i just watched you watching the fighter yeah watch the way you talked to him watched how the fighter changed after what you said it's like give us some kind of monologue of why him especially because because we're learning that he's actually holding his fighters back like he's not believing in their capability and he's not letting them take the shots they should take so he only has one that has any possibility even yeah and and it's not like oh because he had the champ back in the 70s or or anything so you're like why am I even rooting? You know what I mean? Right. He's not Rocky's trainer who's I, like, I was Mickey. somebody and I, you know, I, I kept, can make you great. Like, I kept waiting for that scene. Yeah. It never came. Gonna eat lightning and crack thunder. Right? <laughs> what is that? It's from Rocky. It's Mickey. Oh, yeah. I don't remember that's my, that. That's my Mickey. Anyway. <laughs> you don't remember that? Million Dollar Baby? <laughs> hey, it's still one best picture. Rocky, definitely a better movie. Yes. Um, Aside from Big Willie, the Hit Pit has several notable regulars, including Dangerous Dylan, a Texan kid uh, filled with all heart, but clearly no hope of truly becoming a boxer, and Sharrell, who's a heartless loudmouth with some talent, so they're like polar opposites of, of yeah. each other. Uh, not taking no for an answer, Maggie Fitzgerald shows up to the Hit Pit become, and becomes its newest member by paying for his six-month membership. Despite being rejected and ignored by Frankie and bullied by Shawrell, Maggie becomes a regular who works by herself in the gym on a punching bag, hoping that Dunn will agree to train her. Originally from the Ozarks of Missouri, she makes a very modest living as a waitress. One night, Mr. Scrap accidentally turns out the lights before realizing she is still there. Scrap shows Maggie some basic bag work and sends her home with a speed bag for practice. Uh, And we learn that Mr. Scrap lives in the hit pit. Which I do love. I mean, there's just something about Morgan Freeman when he's playing these types of characters that he just becomes somebody that you like want to open up to and stuff. He's very well at playing yeah. that. And, and they do they do a great job, I think, his story. Because you're like, yeah. why him? There's some, <laughs> yeah. obviously, connection with him and um, Frankie Dunn, and you don't really know what that is. And he's blind in one eye. And he's right, blind so. in one eye. But like some of my problems with the script, and I'll note other things later, at least for me, is... It's a little too... They set up too many dichotomies that are similar. Yeah. So there's too many foils of the same type of foil that will play out throughout the film. And then there's things that are a little, like, kind of on the nose that I'm like... It's just like, the only person that sees what's going on is the half-blind Mr. Scraps. You know what I mean? Like, there's a little... It's like, too much of that in here. And I find it distracting where I feel like somebody thought about all these constructs and then wrote them in, but they aren't hidden very well. Yeah. Yeah. They're not clever. Paul Haggis wrote, it feels like it needed more time to bake, which I was reading that when Clint Eastwood signed on, 
Haggis was expected to get notes and do rewrites, and Eastwood was like, no, it's good. We're just going to shoot the script as is, and I think that's wrong. Yeah. I think they should have gotten notes they from him, work. studio notes and stuff like that, and done a rewrite because it feels like it needs to be cooked more because it's I just... Agree. it's There's some... There's so many great <clears throat> ideas that are not yeah. flushed out. I mean, there's a great movie in here somewhere. Yeah. But it feels like they had too many ideas, and so then you don't get all of them 100%. You mm-hmm. get, like, half of this one over here, some of this one over here. Like, you're saying, like, some of it's in your face, some of it's too subtle, and so it's just such a weird mixed bag. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, trying to help Frankie understand what is happening around him, Scraps hints that there is something up with Big Willie and comments that Maggie might actually be a natural. Dunn remains stubborn about training a woman and tells her that at 31 she was too old to train. Frankie finally sets up a title shot for Big Willie, only to learn that after eight years, his prized fighter is switching to the better connected manager, Mickey Mack. Scrap tells Willie's, or feels Willie's actions are cold, but reminds Frankie that he could have set up Big Willie for a title fight anytime in the past two years. Frankie says that he was trying to protect Willie, unlike Scraps' own manager, whose choices led Scrap to becoming blind in one eye during a fight. <clears throat> so I like the insight that you get into that. But. Well, and then we really learn that it's not a... I mean, learn it later, but that it's not really that the manager caused Scrap. It's Scrap's need to fight that caused him to go blind. But if the manager, had, a proper manager who would have been there, should have called the fight yeah, before, his, yeah. before his boxer got injured and the, his manager... But, well, we didn't get there when we get there. But I thought Scrap said he was the one who kept pushing to keep going because his manager wasn't present. Yeah. Oh, his he manager wasn't there. Because oh, even okay, I missed that. he says Frankie was there. Yeah. As the cut, cut man, man and even right. he's tried to stop the fight, but he can't because he's not the manager. Only the manager mm-hmm. or the oh, fighter I see. can I see. stop the match, and he wasn't. Uh, Scrap wasn't going to stop it. Right. Only his manager should have. Yeah, and I like, see. and I, I don't know if it's in this <clears> scene <throat> or it, or if it will come up again later when he's talking about Maggie. But maybe it's like essentially. Frankie is saying like like your manager and like his manager meaning Scraps because he he's saying you were a better fighter Scraps than Big Willie was right yeah. and you could have had your shot like what about you and he's like your manager just threw you in front of any fist to make money and didn't yeah. protect you and then you went blind and we'll hear mm-hmm. that story later in mm-hmm. the movie and so you're getting so this I thought was done well like where you're getting a, a hint on why Frankie's making the decisions that he's making because he could make money off of throwing you know you can see that he doesn't he leads a it's modest not about life the money yeah yeah so he does care as much as he's acting kind of curmudgeon yeah. you know or whatever so I this aspect of the movie I kind of all and you do like Big Willie when he's like essentially when the he's like Max just like the the flash yeah. he's like what are you gonna do and big willie's like you already you already taught me everything i need to know and it's oh it is. Me. but i also i used to Big willie's side because he's like i only got so many years in me i gotta make as much money as i can while i can like mm-hmm. and you're not taking me there well he was but then he got him the title shot so that's when it stings a little bit more because he's like but i got you the title shot and he goes but the only way that the mickey mac guy will agree to take me on and continue yeah. with me was if i take him to this title shot right. with me it's so Jeez. Where's the contracts when it comes to this? No one's signing any contracts? It's well, just but, word? But Frank only... I mean, I just don't... Frank. I, I, maybe I'm just inclined to dislike Frank for various reasons, but he's a he's a master of his own undoing. Like, mm-hmm. he, he only got the title fight for Willie when it was too late, essentially, to keep Willie on his side. Like, he only got the title fight because Scraps sort of was like, dude, you got to watch out. Like, he's going to leave if you don't give him these chances, you know? Like, 
And so it was too little too late. <laughs> I also find the writing of Frank's emotional content um, all over the place. Yeah. Because for Big Willie, he's like, no, Willie comes to tell him this conversation. He knocks on the door. He's like, he's like, no, you're you're not just anyone. You come in, you're like family. And he's yeah. like helped Billy. There's a little backstory about yeah. Big Willie's wife's car and Frankie helps that out. So it's like... That's the type of manager he is, or the type of heart that he has. But everyone else, he's like, get Sherelle out of here. What's danger doing? Like, he cares about nobody else in the gym. He doesn't care about this girl that wants to be trained that's in there hitting the bag. And I think that's inconsistent character writing. Just his focus is his one fighter. Well, because you... In doing that, you're basically saying there's more to Frank than we're showing you because he actually has a depth of character to care on a personal level about these people in his life. But really theoretically big willie is his money maker so mm. what you're actually saying because he's not doing it with the other characters is he only cares about those things when it's related to the person who's going to make him money which mm-hmm. fair enough it's business but like then it's not a character thing it's just a part of business yeah and like we'll see him like have heart heart later but yeah. I'm, i don't find It'll it consistent yeah. yeah i find it hard to swallow big willie just reminds me of will smith didn't he have a song called mm-hmm. big willie Big Willie style. style. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Big Willie wins his title fight, and Frankie, unable to eat his dinner, takes it to scraps uh, and finds Maggie still at the gym working on the speed bag and learns that it's her birthday. As he walks over to her, she begins to tell her life's truths that she is now 32. She's been a waitress for 13 years. Her brother is in prison. Her sister cheats on welfare. Her father is dead, and her mother is 312 pounds, and boxing is the only thing that makes her feel good. She refuses to seek out any other trainer that, uh, than Frank because she knows he will make her a winner somehow, <laughs> as we discussed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he agrees to train her, but only if she agrees to get a manager when she is done with his training. Maggie becomes his dedicated student, and during their time together, she learns that Frankie has an estranged daughter named Katie. Which you're like, oh, <clears throat> that'll be interesting to find out later why they're estranged. You don't. Yeah. Yeah, or anything else about Katie besides that they're estranged and every letter he sends, she sends back. Yeah, we never even get him saying like, oh, that's like my daughter used to say or something. Or, or what happened. Or, yeah, we know. see him pray yeah. at his bed yeah. in the opening scene, like or in uh, the first time yeah. we see yeah. him in his home. The priest asks about the letter and, and say, you must be lying to me if you say you're actually sending them. And then they're estranged, and there and is no the Katie. The letters keep getting returned Turn. too, and it's yeah. like so you're like something bad happened. But what? Why? Yeah. But we'll focus on another bad family relationship <clears throat> later instead, because we just like to set up all these dichotomies. Yeah. Yeah, that means they set up too much and didn't yeah. pay off enough of them. When ready for her first fight, uh, Frankie introduces Maggie to a manager named Sally. During the fight, Frankie learns that Sally has set up the fight with the intention of Maggie's losing. Uh, Frankie steps in mid-fight and officially becomes Maggie's manager. His coaching quickly leads to Maggie winning uh, by means of KO, which I do love the voiceover during this, where Eddie Scrap mm-hmm. is talking about um, the body knows what fighters don't, how to protect yourself. A neck can only twist so far. Twist it just a hair more, and the body says, hey, I'll take it from here, because you obviously don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Lie down, rest, and we'll talk about it when you regain consciousness. <laughs> like, I just love the way he delivers that, too. Like, yeah. it's like, hey. <laughs> the narration is great. Yeah. I, the whole thing, I like that it tells you kind of about boxing as you're watching it. I do like in this scene that Frankie, you know, Frankie's obviously tossed her off to this other manager, but he cares enough that he's come to the fight to mm-hmm. see how it goes, and he's, like, standing in the ble- nosebleeds, 
kind of shadow boxing as she's going like no come on your left like why aren't you putting you know like he's he obviously feels invested in her training so but but nothing leading up to this point would make us think he gives two fucks yeah. about her, this fight, whether she does well. And, like, like what does he think? Like, the Sally manager yeah. is just a hangabout in the gym. He's yeah. not, like, a Mickey Mac. He's, like, and then only when he comes to find out that Sally has set up the fight for her to lose against another manager's female boxer only because that loss, the other manager will agree to take on Sally's male boxer in a title match. Yeah. yeah. So that's why, because, and it's all about points, right. right? And like raising yourself up or whatever. And then only then is Frank like, oh, that's fucked up. I'll jump yeah. in. It's like, you, that is exactly what would happen when yeah. you throw off somebody to some yeah, hangabout in your gym <laughs> who doesn't care about the fighters yeah I feel like when he's yelling down at the ring though that even Scraps is like they can't hear you yeah exactly what, what the hell do you think you're doing <laughs> yeah exactly <clears throat> uh, with Frankie officially on board as her trainer Maggie begins winning all of her fights by knockout this frustrates Frankie because no other manager will want their fight or their fighter in a match with Maggie out of fear of being embarrassed Frankie says she won't imp- or Frankie says she won't improve as a boxer if she keeps knocking out opponents in the first round because she won't have the endurance to go multiple rounds in harder matches. He tries to build her endurance with four and six round fighters, but she continues knocking them out in the first round. Frankie resorts to adding money to the fights out of his own pocket to score matches for Maggie. When that no longer works, he does uh, he goes against his better instincts and moves her up in weight class. Despite a broken nose, Maggie wins that match too, which I do really like. There's a moment where he says, like, stop knocking them out, and Hilary Swank goes out there, knocks her back, knocks out the girl, and then backs up into her corner, and Eastwood, like, looks at her, and she gives, like, this little shrug, like, yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> I'm really good. Yeah. It's like that moment I thought I was hard, amazing. sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's interesting because these are things you wouldn't, I wouldn't know. Like, it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, don't you just want him to win the fight? But it's like, no. Like, one, it is a little bit of a show, but it's like, you don't have the endurance. Like, yeah. the, the showing, like, it's essentially the Mike Tyson of it all, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you just have this iron punch and people, but what happens when somebody makes it to round three with you? Yeah. yeah. Like, do you have, like... The stamina. Yeah. Because I think it was that happened with George Foreman and Ali, because Foreman was such a big heavyweight and stuff who could take all these punches and keep going, that they were like, are you going to make it? And that was the whole thing about their match, was Ali just kept dancing around and just to stretch it out to show that he had the stamina, and all he had to do was wear Foreman down because he knew he had more stamina than Foreman did. So eventually Foreman got tired mm. and Ali was able to knock him out. And it was just wearing him out and just running around knowing he's such a big dude, but that means he's going to tire easier. If he lands a punch, he could knock you the fuck out. Mm-hmm. But if you can tire him out by running around him, then it's you're just it, It's just the weirdest sport. <clears throat> it really is. It's, I mean, it's gladiators. Yeah, I mean, and I grew up watching because like as a kid it was the it was the mike tyson era and so like they would order the fights and i remember at one point just like my dad would be like i'm not paying for this fight anymore because it costs so much money for 30 seconds yeah yeah. i'll just i can watch the whole fight on the news later it was kind of the thing but like when you really it's like we're just sitting paying money Mm -hmm. with food and snacks and stuff it was like who's gonna get knocked out (laughs) just slugging each each other other, just to beat each other up like if i saw a fight on the street i'd run the other way why am i paying but like i know there's an art and there's a sport to it and there's definitely a history to it and i feel like there's a big american history like into the military and the army and we put it in our you know or whatever it's just so weird to me if you were like hey i'm gonna go fight tonight want to watch i'd be like no (laughs) (laughs) yeah good luck don't mess up your brain too much i really i really hate i mean like it's 
it, it's sort of interesting to see, and obviously it's truthful, but when he resets her broken oh, nose, and, the, oh, and she's like, just fix it and I can keep going. Because obviously with the broken nose, they're supposed to call the fight. And like, oh, I hate it when he gives her like the double COVID yeah. test. Uh-huh. And he's like, shoving <laughs> off. Yeah, he and he tells her to breathe in. The, the, oh. the Q-tips like into her brain. Yeah. And it's like, take a deep breath in and breaks her nose and then pulls them out. And yeah. And I think all of that is to, necess- that was to like stop the blood. And that's what yeah. he was saying. You need to knock her out. You have about 40 seconds or whatever he yeah. says until this is just a well of blood that will hit people Gushing. in the seats. Yeah. A gusher. I, I like that setup though. That's such yeah. a great setup. Because you're yeah. like, you have 40 seconds. Now I need you to knock her out. Yeah. Because in 40 seconds, this is going to open up and you're going to lose the fight. They're right. going to call it because yeah. you're going to bleed yeah. all over everybody. That's disgusting. So that's like a great setup for that fight. That's why I still think there's a good movie in here somewhere. Yes. Just if this was focus. just a sports drama where we're go- rooting for the little guy and we go the rocky distance and see her take on the big heat in the final battle... I'd be all for it. It wouldn't be a Best Picture winner, which I still think it shouldn't be, but it would definitely not have been up for Best Picture. But I would find it to be an enjoyable movie. Yeah. I'd go along for the ride. If it had, like, more... Because, yeah, if if in the beginning, if Frankie's focused on just the prize fighter, doesn't care about anyone else in the gym, but now after he loses that fighter, he takes on uh, Maggie, and then maybe he starts to look at danger and starts yeah. to look at Charrel and yeah. like the different boxers and he starts training all That's of them. That's a really good movie. Yeah. Then you it's just like you have an interesting arc where he's now working with multiple ones and it's like oh you have a fight on Tuesday I'll be there. You have yeah. one on Wednesday I'll be there and it's like setting all that up and balancing between that because I always thought at the end too if one of these people is going to die I think Eastwood's character should have died because Maggie's whole thing is she's been alone her whole life she's had to do this all on her own yeah. what if she created her own family right. with the people at the gym she should have befriended more yes. of them so then that way if Eastwood's character dies and she thinks she's going to this match alone at the end but the whole gym shows up yeah. and is there and it's like they're going to be in her corner yes! instead yeah. they walk her out and then it doesn't even matter what happens in the final fight that's the climactic point of the right. story she's built the family she gets maybe she inherits the gym like you know whatever and she's like, going to work with scraps hundred percent and like this movie going in like I feel like this movie immediately got released everyone knew what the ending was Oh, because it got leaked? Because I remember yeah. watching this in the theater, and, and you when didn't the know. ending happens, I was like, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and like, no, I, right. the I didn't mind the movie exactly up until then, but as soon as that happens, I'm like, what is happening? This is a different movie. It's yeah. a totally, yes. Like, did they actually splice in the wrong movie? Something weird's happening, and I hated this ending. Yeah, still do. Still do. But it's like, I get... I get what they're going for. I just don't think it works with this yeah. movie. I mean, clearly it won Best Picture, but I just don't. I agree don't with think it, it should have, and I don't think today it would have. Don't understand why it did. Anyways, uh, Frankie turns down title opportunities for Maggie as he feels she continues to struggle with protecting her face. Uh, Scraps sets up a meeting with Mickey Mac for Maggie on her 33rd birthday. Before the meeting, Scraps tells Maggie of his 109th fight. Frankie was working as Scraps' cut man. Scraps' manager was off getting drunk, and Frankie tried to convince Scraps to stop the fight, but he refused. He lost the eye in the fight, and Frankie blames himself. Scraps implies that this guilt may hinder Frankie from taking her all the way to a title fight. Maggie's meeting with Mickey Mac is brief, as she immediately tells him uh, she is never leaving Mr. Dunn. For reasons. Um, At home, we see. Exactly. It's a mystery. I don't know. It's a mystery. Uh Uh, At home, we see Frankie filing away a return letter from his daughter. Later, Dunn pays Maggie a visit at her home and is happy to hear that she is saving the money she wins from her fights. 
He sneaks a look into her check register and sees she's regularly sending money home to her mother. One of the most important things for me on Frank's character Mm -hmm. is that you do see that he was telling the priest the truth yeah he is writing letters to his daughter she is returning them and he's saving them and there's it's a shoebox full of them right i feel for him in that moment yeah sure you know and it's like okay he is being honest so then it it validated him going to church because he goes to mass daily every day yeah so he is it's like he's always sort of searching. There's more there, too. And then he's, like, reading Gaelic all the time yeah. and studying. Like, there's there's more happening with him that doesn't That's fully the thing is we get needed more Because what happened that the daughter never speaks to him and also that he feels he needs to go to church every day. And that is he yeah, like, Gaelic what, did he kill his fun? wife? Like, I yeah, mean, it's like, you what know, happened that he feels he sinned so badly that it's destroyed basically his life and now he's trying to put it back together by writing his daughter, by going to church. It's like, what happened? And I don't really, we don't, the only payoffs learning Gaelic is her stage name. Or and fighter name. Like, like there's so, it's so dumb. And his daughter's name is Katie, which is, uh, which seems very Irish. Irish. Yeah. But then don't you think if he's like learning Gaelic, the kid's name's Katie, that he's going to do this thing on the, you know, we'll yeah. find out later. Don't you think the gym would have like an Irish name? the hit pit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also like I get, he's the manager, but he picked that name for him. Yeah. That's his, He's learning Gaelic. Yeah. He's Irish. She's well, not, she, is she? Yeah, Fitzgerald. Okay. She's definitely Maggie. Irish. Maggie okay. Fitzgerald. She's because definitely of Irish like, descent. Why didn't he give her a name that had to do with her and her story? And like, if she never well, believed in herself, like, I don't know, believe her. Because or something, Sean, when we get to her. the end, it has to be meaningful for That's all true. of us we when she's dying. We have to say what if Mukushna yeah. really is. <laughs> Which apparently they misspelled it in the movie. Do they really? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Jeez. Uh, Frank finally decides to give Maggie a title shot, which will be in the UK. He gets her a robe to wear to the ring with the Gaelic expression, Makushna, Makushla, uh, embroidered on the back, uh, but will not tell her what it means. Maggie wins and goes on to win various matches in many European cities and returns to the U.S. in a whole new league. But Frankie turns down a title match with German boxer Billy the Blue Bear Osterman. An ex-prostitute. Well, I don't know why that's important. For fun, that makes her tough. Because that tells you about how she's lived on the mean streets and put up with and dirty. She's dirty. Yeah. She plays dirty. She, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, ugh, yeah. I want to barf at that anyway. Sorry. I <laughs> yes, it's gross. Uh, waiting for her manager to come up with the 50 50 split on that fight. Uh, after one of her fights, Maggie takes Frankie to meet her mom and witnesses Maggie surprising her mother with the fact that she has purchased a home for her. Her despicable mom is angry about the house and as it could jeopardize her welfare. She tells Maggie that people are laughing at the fact that she is a fighter and she should find a man and quote-unquote live proper. Driving home, a saddened Maggie shares a story about her deceased father and missing him. Uh, she tells Frank that all he is all she has. This is exactly when you tell the story about your daughter. Yeah, exactly. As you're bonding and telling stories about yes. family, but whatever. Uh, they stop at Ira's Road Stop Diner and have a slice of lemon pie. So good, Frankie proclaims he can now die and go to heaven. Also, why lemon pie? He keeps wanting lemon pie. Was I thought again too? That's gonna have something. Like yeah. the last time I saw my daughter, I was having lemon pie. Is this is this also when he tells the story about the dog, dog. that the dad put down? Yeah. So Maggie yeah. tells the story about how her dad took the dog out to the woods and For she a mercy didn't understand. Killing. Yeah, because until he, he was, came back by himself and shoveled his something. hind legs were, weren't working, yeah. and even though he was happily <laughs> pulling himself around. He, and it was time knowing what the ending was i was like this is yeah. dumb and so and because they put it in there one 
<laughs> she's like, come and meet my mom. Like, they never really established that they must, she must have had a fight in Missouri or nearish Missouri. So you're just like, okay, I thought we were in Los Angeles, but I guess we're near the Ozarks at the moment. Because she's well, like, hey, come see they're me. They're in Miami, I think. Oh, okay. And they, and they she says, like, can on our way home, I thought we could stop. Or Chicago. They're somewhere in the general, general vicinity. Because she says something like, on our way home, I thought we could go through. You know, but I know it's low it's, budget, but I would have loved, especially when we get to the ending, because Morgan Freeman does have a great speech to Frankie at the end. But I wanted just a quick montage of her in Paris with Frankie and like running around seeing the world. This is a girl who grew up in this tiny town. Let's see her seeing everything. She mentions it later, but yeah. it's like, and they're they're calling her name. Yeah. You know, this girl from the Ozarks. They're they're shouting <laughs> this Makushla or whatever. Yeah. But wouldn't she have like? I get her wanting to send money home, and I get. You know, the concept and the idea, and it's written in a lot of stories, and a lot of people deal with this in life, of still wanting your parents' affection when mm-hmm. they're not giving it or whatever. But you can't tell me that she's like, come meet, meet my mom. And then we go meet these cartoonish, hillbilly-like, <laughs> yeah. down-on-their-luck, like, straight-up shanty town kind of people that are ripping off the government. Right? I mean, am yeah. I being too crazy or am no, I being... No, I think offended? it's completely... They're that. a caricature of, like, it's like a poor cartoon. people, for sure. It's, yeah. such, it's so cartoonish and they're so, It's offensive, like, frankly, to poor people. Like, I actually think yes. of, like, people that are poverty-stricken. Yeah. And, and they're such despicable, disgusting, make fun of her to her face people. There's no way Maggie would be like, Come on, Frankie, meet my mom. Well, like, I, I can di- I can go with she's a very broken person. Sure. And she's desperate for her family to love her. She's desperate for love, period. But she's particularly desperate for her family to love her. And she clearly had a rough childhood once her father died, especially. Like, I can buy the, gl- like, rose-colored glasses about... Please, you know, come meet my mom and meet my fa- I bought this house and I'm so excited to give it to her. Like, I bought all that. But the people that are her family are ridiculous. They're like, they're like I said, they're like offensive to people actually living in poverty just, the way they're portrayed. I don't buy the mom saying like, uh, why would you buy us this house? It messes up my welfare. She, she's obviously been getting money from Maggie. And at the end, it's yeah. to the point where they come to try and scam her out of her Steal money. Steal all her money. And yeah. they've just gone to like all these theme parks. So it's clear that they've, they're getting a lot of money from her. So I don't buy this. It she wouldn't like take the house. <clears throat> instead, what they should have had in this scene is they not only take the house, but then they just say, well, what about a new car also? Like, yeah. start asking yes. for more Leeching money. off her more. Because yeah. otherwise, it's totally reversed of now we don't want your money, but when you're paralyzed, now we want your money? It's the the characters flip-flop. Uh-huh. And then there's and no reason for sense. her to be like, everyone's making fun of you, you should live proper. Like, why? I'm making good money, especially like yeah. I would think in the South and stuff, they would be like, "Holy shit, she's going around the world kicking ass as a boxer." I think boxing's very no, popular. No, it's, a, it's in the all South. jealousy and frustration. And... But like, I feel, I feel like the same I would have been. I, I went with all that with the mom being a total snatch towards her and all. But that. I feel like it would have been better as opposed to like it's a little too like telling. Like, we already know that they're ripping off welfare. Yeah. Like, at least the sister who's living with the mom. Like, that's already been said in one of my favorite moments with Maggie when she <laughs> lays out all that stuff on her 33rd yeah. birthday. Yeah. Like, hey, because she thinks he's walking over and she's going to be yeah. like, I don't want to hear how you're not going to train me. Like, I'm just here to hit the bag. Right. All this crap in my life, this is what makes me feel good. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. But in this scene, you got the mom that's like, why would you do this? They're going to mess up my welfare. Like, they're, you're telling yeah. the audience. All, the, yeah. all she had to say was, Maggie, please tell me you didn't put this house in my name because then my welfare is in jeopardy. Like, yeah. that's all you needed to get the idea of how disgusting these people are. They didn't need to be like, 
I mean, it, yeah, they're and, almost and, like, and, and, yeah. Where it's like, and this, and that. They're all going to laugh at you, and it's like, come on. Yeah, with super thin <clears throat> accent, which the accent, may, I, depending on where it's at, like, fine. But all of it just seemed like a bad cartoon with just like the one sister in the background like yeah mom like arms Hold crossed yeah. why wouldn't the mom why wouldn't they be like yeah keep, you're gonna have to keep sending us that's why i think they should have pushed the angle of you're gonna have to send us more money because now this is gonna mess up our welfare so you're gonna have to send us more yeah. because we're not making that money anymore it should have been from the beginning the greed because then it makes sense later when she also stands up to them and doesn't want to sign the papers whereas he it's just too much flip-flopping mm-hmm. like what do they want what I, I think it's supposed them. to show that they're ungrateful assholes <clears throat> oh, yeah. and that they are there. She's never going to be good enough. And they're no matter what she does, she's never going to be good enough. And they're never going to be proud of her and believe in her and, you know, be familial towards her. Mm-hmm. So that as the family relationship between she and Frank develops, you, you know, realize that he's the family or whatever, as if we didn't know that's where the movie was going. Mm. And then it what? ultimately kind of doesn't, because as you said, it should have been that she built this gym family and then they, you know, totally but a much whatever. better movie. But I, like, I, I bought the f- mom and the sister. It was just too badly much. And, and saying like, you're embarrassing and you know whatever because some of it's jealousy and some of it is just pure personal self-loathing that comes out in the form of hatred towards sure. you you know what i mean so, like that i was all fine with but the the representation of it is ridiculous yeah it, it looks bad yeah. and like the casting you know all of it just the even the I just like that actress too i think she was poorly directed yeah. Yeah. i and i i feel like the, it's when they leave that scene and she, and he's they're like she's like dejected in the car and kind of sad, and she tells a story about her father who we don't you know ever see because he's passed away. I feel like she just needed to tell a story about you know because she's gonna tell him you're all I have, Frankie or Frank or whatever. Yeah, um, like you ever have a dog? Like that's how the yeah, story starts. And and tell the story about how her dad loved the dog so much. Just the concept yeah. of love and like you know another. And all it needed to end with was, I really miss seeing those two together. That it's the bond and the love. You don't need the foreshadowing story of the paralysis dog and the mercy yeah, yeah. killing. You don't need any of yes, that. Yes, you do, Nicole. How will you understand Frankie's journey <laughs> if you don't understand that there was a paralyzed dog that needed to be mercy killed? How will you understand? Damn, it feels like this is the first draft. That yes. would, in the future drafts, be cut back. Yes. And there's other stuff that would be added yeah. and stuff. But it feels like they didn't get to cut back on the stuff that's too over the top and too in your face. And they didn't get to add the stuff that was like, missing of the subtlety. Like, later when it comes up that she's going to ask for, you know, his his her mercy yeah. killing. when she, Are you going to be like, oh, just like Axel, the German shepherd. Like, <laughs> but literally, that's I like... I think she even says, like, remember that no, dog? It's remember literally, Axel? Literally, the only huh? purpose of that huh? story is so that when she asks him to kill her... She can euphemize it by saying, "Remember that story I told you about my dad and the dog? I and need you to be my dad." I was also, yeah. I was also Draw, annoyed. Drag me out into the woods and shoot me in the back. Of the head. Is am I Which going too far with this? Like, shovel? So he what? He like which, <laughs> no? She was just that he buried the dog. Oh, okay. He returned with the shovel. shovel. Oh, so okay. she knew it, he. She knew it had yeah. gotten buried. But like the dog's name being Axel. 
also bothered me <laughs> because like isn't an axle like kind of like the attachment of the wheel to a yeah. car so it's like a little uh. on the nose like his legs are the axles oh, of yeah. the dog are gonna get messed up I'm like too much I would love it if at the end Eastwood comes in with a gun and it's just like we're off to the woods yeah, exactly <laughs> I'm gonna treat you just like the dog mm-hmm. uh Frankie finally secures a welterweight title shot in Las Vegas for Maggie against the Blue Bear, even though the German boxer is known to be a dirty fighter. The match is for $1 million with a 50-50 split. Frankie asks Scraps to be his second, but he declines. Scraps stays behind to attend the hit pit, everyone's favorite, uh, a decision that allows him to come to the rescue of a badly beaten, dangerous Dylan at the hands of Soirel, which becomes fight number 110. Uh, for scraps. Uh, Maggie's fight against Blue Bear lasts only three rounds with Blue Bear continually throwing illegal punches. After the bell sounds ending round three, Blue Bear throws a sucker punch from behind that knocks Maggie out. Maggie's neck lands on the side of her stool, Ugh. breaking her neck and ending her career. Maggie becomes a quadriplegic. Do we ever get that she protects her face enough that he'll accept this fight? Like when he declines all these other fights for all these other reasons. He's like, oh, finally, 50-50. Yeah, we're going. I am like, supposed okay. to understand that she's built up. He... He is giving in to the idea that, like, it's okay to let a fighter fight. <laughs> That's what they do. And uh, that she's becoming a better fighter. Because he moves her up in class partially for, like, A, to get better fights, but also, like, she's she's better against those fighters you know but we know that this one is a dirty fighter and that's all what frankie is anti when sean and i were watching this we kept we both misremembered the scene Mm -hmm. as the second kept putting this is how we misremembered it this is not how it goes that the second kept putting the stool in wrong and that he kept having to correct it so that when the stool goes in and she cracks her neck it's because the second kept putting the stool in wrong but it's Frankie's just putting the stool in like normal and it's just that she's I mean the sucker punch we both remembered but it's just that she sucker punches her and it's you know bad sod's law the worst that can happen does on the bad moment of it happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time when she lands Oh I thought it. it was him that did it too I thought it was the second but we both remembered there being yeah, like I a story was... build up of oh. like it was kept being positioned wrong. Yeah, I don't know what movie this is in, but it's like I could have sworn it was this yeah. movie. I remembered scenes of a second going in and Frankie always puts the chair up and he would always like lay it down and scoot the chair yeah. in and then set it up. And Frankie was like, no, you can't do that. You have to curve it up. Yeah. And making jokes like how is she going to sit on the chair when it's sideways? Yeah. You got to put it in and immediately put it up. Obviously, it's not in this movie. I have no, no idea where this memory came from. But that's, that's what weird. I thought it built both to that, that. Because Frankie kept trying to correct this second. And he messed up the way he put the chair in again. And that's why he broke his neck. But, yeah. Or her neck. But, no. but I don't know. When we get into directing, I'll talk about but, how I feel about that neck-breaking here's scene. Here's the thing. Everything up to this point in the movie. Like, if you then, if you had her either lose the fight or win the fight don't care which really and then you continued on the story of like she builds this family and she's going into it she's going to go after blue bear again. she loses the fight let's say she's going to go up against blue bear again and frankie and her and they built this camaraderie and then frankie dies and then she thinks she's going alone everything sean said about what this movie should be i would be like cool i'm in for that movie even if she got injured maybe not quadriplegic but injured yep. in one of the fight. <laughs> ventilator dependent quadriplegic yeah. like yeah. cool i'm in for that movie the second you break her neck and this becomes a completely fucking different movie, I'm out. You lost me. Like, I remember I went into this movie and I had heard, like, oh, it has a controversial ending. And so then when it comes up to the fight with Blue Bear, I was like, oh, man, she's going to lose this fight or she's going to, like, uh-huh. get, like, something badly broken. And as soon as she breaks her neck, I was like, well, 
What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your face. Yeah. I mean, I was just so like, this is so weird. This it doesn't whole... even like. It's not even interesting to me. It's not controversial. It's, just weird. it's bad. And it's it's like, just. It's emotionally for... manipulating this yeah. entire movie yeah. throughout. And like, there's so many like because now we're getting close to the end. It's like good fighter. Maggie against bad fighter Blue Bear, mm-hmm. Frank Dunn curmudgeon against nice guy Scraps. Then we even got to go down another notch to Danger versus Sherelle. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I got it three times effing over. <laughs> like I got it. Mm-hmm. You know like, I get they put the sh- the Danger fight in there because you needed a win right. before you're about to take a terrible loss. So I did like when uh, Scraps goes in and beats the shit out of Charrel finally. And knocks his tooth out. But yeah. you don't even really get a win because Danger runs away. Oh, Danger, who's yeah. like... Sad and broken and dejected. He's like, I should have and... known. Yeah. I know, but he's... But yeah, at the time. But it's not don't. even really a win because his entire spirit is broken. Yeah. And he runs away never to be seen until late, very yeah. late in the movie again. You think he's out. Like, yeah. you he's think he's out so, and he's broken. He's like, so afraid to even punch... The pun- the hand gloves yeah. when like yeah. the training gloves, like you see like because yes. at one point Frankie's like if you don't hit that glove get out of my gym which we come to find out he isn't even paying for yeah, yeah. exactly you know um which you totally accept yeah. <laughs> you know but it's like okay got it like all these dichotomies of yeah. the same good guy bad guy and some of them are, are offensive yes. we don't even need to get into the socio political even of it all uh-huh. like. I don't even know. <laughs> it's just a steaming pile for me. Uh, it takes two months before she is able to move back to L.A. and into a rehab facility that Frankie has found. Her mom calls with news of a planned visit, and Maggie waits by the window every day for two weeks. When they finally arrive, it becomes clear the family's goal is to trick Maggie into signing over the assets. Maggie tells her family to leave and never come back. I do love that they show up in like the Universal Bugs Bunny Disneyland. t-shirts and stuff. Well, they mentioned Disneyland, but they show up with oh, Universal are shirts. They wearing Universal? My guess is they didn't get the rights yeah, to Disney. Yeah. So they have Universal stuff on, but they say they, they were, were in Disneyland. Disneyland. And then but- Frankie even tells them. <clears throat> Frankie's even like, do you maybe want to go change? Like, yeah. do you think this might affect her? And think the mom, like, it's so dumb. Yeah. She's like, don't you, she can't go. Don't you think I would have taken her? I shouldn't yeah. do the accent because I don't want to dummy down. Like that's, I, yeah. I shouldn't do the accent because that's no, no but that's, that's the no way they talk is representation that... of the problem that i have with yes. that character no it's because um, it's the, that's it's, just it's what her car- character sounds it's a like. cartoonish accent it's yes. like they're overdoing like this Everything. southern accent but that's why i think it, it make it ridiculous and i feel like that is offensive because yeah. it's yeah. it's basically saying people with that accent look like this yes. and are dumb yeah and yeah and, and greedy and yeah. which isn't true which is why i'm like i don't want to even fake yeah. the accent because they misused it in that way yeah. but <clears throat> she it it's so every time they the come brother, in i'm like ah, do they fit they walked into the wrong movie yeah the brother's <laughs> there too now he's out of jail so the brother's there and obviously I think we're supposed to assume the brother has been part of the orchestration of this plot because he's now out of jail and with the family and, I, you know. Or I, th- oh, I thought it was the sister's boyfriend, the, the baby daddy. No, that's the brother. That's the brother who was that's in the, jail? Yeah, that's oh, the brother. Oh, no, I missed that. Because he's like, this fine. is a family affair. You get out of this. like, And they brought their sleazy lawyer with them who's probably like, you know, freaking on like bus ads or whatever. Like, I mean, it's It does just, feel like a cartoon. Like, you know when... 
in cartoons, they leave their own cartoon and end up somewhere yes. else. That's what it feels yes. like. like. They popped out of their movie yeah. and landed here. <laughs> yeah. And like, so they popped out of some comedy and landed here. And it's like, no, you don't fit. It's some like all. Roger Rabbit reality <laughs> where like everyone's <laughs> mixing from different casts. Just to hit the ha- nail on the head, in case you didn't already hate, the- hate these people, they tell you that they've been there for like four days before they've come to see Maggie or whatever. And they're like, she ain't know. going nowhere. Yeah. Stop it's just, it. It's just horrible. I know, I just don't even understand, like, why they picked, like, yeah, people from the South should be offended by this movie. Yeah, like, Because, oh. yeah, if you're going to have the Southern accent, you can have it, but this is different. This is, like, yeah, they overly done cartoonish Southern accents. That's why we keep, I think, doing it, because it's so ridiculous. It's, it's not even so just that ridiculous. the accent is badly done. It's the caricature of <clears throat> poor people yeah. coupled with mm-hmm. an accent that is stereotypically associated with ignorance. And honestly, they didn't need to set them even, like, families that have love issues and caring <laughs> issues or go... It Everywhere. Could, yeah. It could have just been a Los Angeles native <laughs> girl. Well, just, I think you, you needed know, the separation geographically. For sure. From her, of her from her family to distance that relationship even further, but... To your point, yes, they could have been from Wyoming, like they could have, or New York, or mm-hmm. anywhere. I mean, they could have been anywhere. Yeah, they could have just, yeah, yeah, with a non-specific, you know. right, a mid-Atlantic accent. Mm-hmm. Uh, after having her egg, her egg, after having her <laughs> leg amputated due to an infection, Maggie asks Frankie to assist her in dying. Remember the dog, <laughs> Axel. Uh, <clears throat> unsure what to do, he meets uh, with his priest who says that if he does this, he will never find himself again. Eventually, Frankie makes the decision to grant her wish. As a goodbye, he tells her that Makushla means my darling, my blood, and then unhooks her ventilator and gives her a shot of adrenaline. He never returns to the hit pit. We learn that the narration is really a letter from Scraps to Frankie's daughter, Katie, for the purpose of letting her know uh, the man her father truly is. In the final shot, we see Frankie sitting in Ida's roadhouse diner. There's no punch to finding out that that's what the narration is. No. Because I don't care about Katie well, and, and Frankie's like, relationship. Is she going to read the letter? Yeah, is she even going to read it? She's returned all the letters. Why is she going to read this one? I mean, I Why guess this one's care? from Scrap. It's not from Frank, but I yeah. I don't know if she would care. Right. Like, wouldn't it almost have been better if she would, if he would have returned to the hit pit and she would have come in with letter in hand or something? I, even uh. though you have to know why they're fighting. Because what wouldn't, if, like, let's assume they had a bad falling out which we know, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like, we don't even have to, like, we know that that. <sighs> if I had a huge falling out with my father, even depending on what it was about, and then somebody's going to write me about what a great dad he's being to somebody else, yeah. I'm still pissed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't make me feel better about my own personal problems with my dad. It exactly. just makes me be like, well, good for them? Like, how does this affect yeah. what happened to us? Like, I don't get why, when he says he never returned to the hit pit, so did he just... Abandon abandoned it? Like, why didn't he... Why didn't they at least throw in a line, like... Uh, he like left me Scraps and goes and... Or, yeah, yeah, like, he goes and there's, like, a, a deed. Yeah. And it, all it needs was Scraps' signature. And basically, it was, he was signing it over to him. Yeah. And at the end, when Frankie's sitting in the diner, I was hoping... Because he mentioned, like, I could retire at a place like this or something. Or how much do you think a place like this costs? Well, I put some I could stuff die away. I heaven, yeah. Yeah, because he mentions he put some savings away. Yeah, yeah he's saying he I could, could buy it. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, why not have it... Him, he buys it, renames it Kushla or Maggie's, yeah. and sells the pies. It's like give us something instead of just. It's oh, just bleak. Also, the whole thing is just bleak. Why pie? And I love pie, but, yeah, but, it's, but we've never gotten no to why pie. pie with. 
Other yeah. than he asked Hi. about the diner she worked at if they had good pie, not the canned stuff, the homemade. And she's like, no, it comes out of can. I mean, maybe they could have. I don't know how, but if they tied the pie story to his daughter That's even somehow. Yeah, like the last time they saw each other before they had a big fight, right. he was eating a certain kind of pie. So now he eats that because it makes him remember that last memory or something. Yeah. But and even, even Makushla meaning what it means, you didn't feel that way about her when... She had her first fight in the UK and you gave her this name. Yeah. So why, why did you pick that name? Yeah. She wasn't your daughter, your blood, your darling also, when you had this first fight. Like, There's a bunch of Irish countrymen in the arena saying that they're like, oh, Mokushla. Like, well, one that, of them would have been like, my daughter, my darling, my blood. Yeah, huh? Like, nobody says. tells you. All the news coverage she got fighting across yeah. England and stuff. That no one, or she's never, I mean... I guess we're just supposed to assume that it's like a, a little secret between them and it's like a little thing that she refuses to look it up and he refuses to tell her. Because he does say going into the fight where she gets paralyzed, if you win this fight, I'll tell you what Makushla means. But like, so what? <laughs> Who cares? Wow, she lost. I would have loved if she was sitting there at the ventilator and she's like, before I die, will you tell me what it means? He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you lost. You lost. Click. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean... I knew I had problems with the script and the story, but like talking with you guys about it, I'm like almost angry. Yeah. Well, and are we supposed to think that he, in terms of his faith and his own reconciliation with his faith, are we supposed to think that he is choosing to help a sister dying and knows he will lose himself or choosing to help a sister dying and feels that that's really who he is. I think he's like, I mean, as far as faith goes, though it's not flushed out well, even though you're going to throw faith in as a theme, you got to take a stance on it. Yeah. Like, I think he's, you know, questioning, not questioning his faith, but like trying to develop and understand things more. And then, but I think it's so bad because when he first eats the pie, he's like, now I can die and go to heaven. Then he has, she makes this request for the mercy killing and he's like, I think based off of his faith, like, could I do that? Because I'm killing someone. He takes it to his priest, even. And the priest is like, don't do it. Right. And then he decides after thinking on it and assuming, praying on it, because he's in there every day and you see him, I think, on his knees, like, in the pews, praying or whatever, that he's decided, I'm going to do this thing. And for him, he has determined because we see him back in the lemon pie shop where he said he could die and go to heaven he doesn't think this will keep him from the gates of heaven right so it is he does think that it's reconcilable with his soul yes i think he's thinking this is the right thing like he's still gonna go to heaven because he's eating that pie and that's the representation of it so maybe that's the only reason that lemon pie is in this too there's no doubt he's gonna do it yeah he's gonna do it but that's the thing i think that they shouldn't if you're gonna do that then don't have him fight with the priest he needs to be like the priest loves him. Yeah. He's there every day praying. He helps out with the church. He's become such a religious man because of something that happened in the past. Now he's this good religious guy that then when he's asked to do this, yeah. he has to be like, but I've changed so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can do this. Then when he talks to the priest and the priest is like, you're here every day. You've done so much for the church and God. Mm-hmm. If you do this, it undoes all of that. It would have been such a bigger decision but the second she says it, it's like, well, yeah, he's going, going to. to. I mean, it's it's not that Who big a deal. Who wouldn't? Frankly, I would too. I'd go in there with some fucking shots of adrenaline, and I would have done it the day she came. The day she asked, like this guy would have shown up with the needle. You ready? Oh, you don't want it? No. Okay. <laughs> she's not ready. She's going like, I'm gonna unhook the ventilator. You're going to sleep. But she's legit, like, don't. Legit, I would have. <laughs> 
Like, I would have asked. I would have asked. Do you want to stay like this? <laughs> Which like is pretty miserable, am I right? This guy uh, just comes in with the medical <laughs> Anybody ever needs assistance to suicide, let me know. I'm happy to help. Like, but... so, oh, and we didn't even, I didn't even put in here, like, when he first declines, like, we didn't, or we didn't even yeah. talk about this, and I was like, when she bites her tongue to oh, commit suicide. Oh, damn it. Oh. That's the thing. Okay, so yeah. this is the thing that drives me crazy about that scene too, right? Can't like, they just wrap her tongue and have her be sedated to explain? I don't know if I needed to see her like that. Yeah. Why? Obviously, she wants to die. She has asked you to help her kill her, right? She has. She. Do you really think she's not going to try to come up with some way to to make that happen? Don't eat your own tongue. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to bite off. I, I, I can't say that. Maybe I would desperately do the same thing. I don't know. But also, like, Scrap goes there every day. Can't she ask Scrap? Also, like, there's no film cameras in this hospital to see him go in with a medical bag. Then she's dead. Like, when he, well, after she died, in my head, I was like, put the ventilator back on. Because when someone flats lines in a hospital, it's not like in a lot of movies where nothing happens. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it immediately notifies the nurse's station. Otherwise, it's the worst hospital. The second yeah, this is 2004 or 5. Okay, yeah. first Bells of all, the ringing. nurse is, like, around the corner. It's literally, like, two doors down from her door. Like so you think they're not movie. hearing As it? he leaves... Scrap slowly comes out of the dark yeah. in the other room, and it's like, what the hell was he doing? Yeah, it's he's just, just standing in the fucking shadows like a creep. The nurse is literally this the, is the worst movie. He's literally like yeah. two doors down. Her heart rate is skyrocketing, so the thing is going because of the adrenaline shot. Yeah, which he mm. said was enough to kill ten people. Yeah, like you really. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Slow down. Let's, also, let's kill about three. Like, <laughs> and how do you know, Scraps? How did, well, did you watch adrenaline. him fill the yeah. adrenaline syringe? Like, I, I think he saw the bottles in his bag. Oh. But That's the one thing I liked about the ending, I like Scraps has a good paragraph of dialogue that I really liked when he's telling mm-hmm. <clears throat> Frankie to do it. Uh, He says, Maggie walked through that door with nothing but guts. No chance in the world of being what she needed to be. It was because of you that she was fighting the champion for the championship of the world. You did that. People die every day, Frankie. Frankie, mopping floors, washing dishes. And you know what their last thought is? I never got my shot. Because of you, Maggie got her shot. If she dies today, you know what her last thought will be? I think I did all right. And hearing Morgan Freeman say that was just like, Which is a great, a great delivery, line of dialogue, yada, yada. But then we get it reiterated yeah. by Maggie <laughs> saying, who is the person who arguably should actually say it, right? Saying, who gets, I got to go to Paris. I got to do all these yeah. things. I got to live my life, life, you know, like, which is an appropriate monologue for her to have, but we didn't need both of them to do it. Well, they like to repeat in various <laughs> ways. Yes. And then leave out other things completely. Yes. <laughs> like the daughter. So much time and <clears throat> effort in this. Let's get into acting. How do you think Eastwood, Swank, everybody did? They're great actors and material. I mean, Morgan Freeman's my favorite in this. Yeah. I think Morgan Freeman's yeah. the best. I think his chemistry with Eastwood, Dangerous too, yeah. is so good because they've known each other for so yeah. long. I mean, we obviously talked about them in uh, Unforgiven. Yeah. That I think you immediately feel their connection. Yeah. And I think Hilary Swank is great. But, yeah, just the, the I don't know if I think don't she deserved together. Best Actress for this, though. <laughs> over I mean, Kate, Win- yeah, well, was over Kate Winslet Kate, even? Yeah, she Kate was Kate Winslet in uh, Eternal Sunshine? And like I haven't seen Vera Drake, but Amanda Staunton is a... Yeah. I, I, I just... I, I, 
Yeah, I mean, like, they're all good. They all do their parts well. And if this wasn't Best Picture and she didn't win Best Actress, like, I would probably feel more forgiving of it all. But it's just not, like, it's fine. It's all fine. Uh, Clint Eastwood, to me, is Clint Eastwood. Like, he just, at this point, he's becoming the character that is Clint Eastwood. So it just feels like watching Clint Eastwood be a 74-year-old curmudgeonly man. Like, <laughs> sure. It's I I don't understand how this beat Aviator. I don't either. No. I will never understand how this beat the Aviator. I mean, honestly, I even came to sit down disliking this movie, thinking we were going to discuss a better movie, even. <laughs> and now I'm like, it's so bad. Right, because all the movies were great, do you think the vote was split so much that somehow this snuck ahead? Because... There's so many great movies. It, I mean, I, I, it, it was between was... Aviator and Finding Neverland for me. I yeah. thought that night, and like the night of this occasion. Best director. How do yeah. you not give it to Scorsese for I the Aviator? That's maddening. Yeah. No, I mean any. Yeah. Oh, so my problem with. Oh, we're in acting. We're not even directing. Oh, uh, Eastwood had confidence in Swanks' acting background, but upon seeing Swanks' uh, physique, he had concerns. He said, quote, I just thought, yeah, this gal would be great if we can get her trained up, Uh, if we can get a little more bulk on her to make her look like a fighter. Uh, She was like a feather, but what happened is she had this great work ethic. Uh, consequently, to prepare for her role, Swank underwent extensive training in the ring and weight in the weight room, gaining 19 pounds of muscle, aided by professional trainer Grant L. Roberts. She trained for nearly five hours a day, winding up with a potentially life-threatening staphylo- staphylococcus infection. What? Which How would you get a staphylococcus infection? Yeah. Bacteria in the gym and stuff, probably. And she yeah. did not tell Eastwood about the infection because Oof. she thought it would be out of character for Maggie. It's a life-threatening... What? I don't care about being in character. No. Maybe she a thought she was also going to lose the role or yeah, something. Yeah, I but... bet it was more about she thought she'd lose the role. <clears throat> uh, boxing and kickboxing champion Lucilla Riker, uh, who also played the part of Billy the Blue Bear uh, in this movie, was Hilary Swank's boxing coach. So the other guy was his trainer, mm. but this was her coach. Well, I like that there was a female coach in there. Like, <clears throat> to, to, you know. Yeah. Like, like, the physicality of a woman in a ring or in a yeah. fighting. That, I like that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I already mentioned the, I like the chemistry between certain characters and others. Let's move into directing. Nicole, what do you got? Well, my, it's, it's dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb and little. I hate the scene where she falls. Like this movie is filmed like kind of, you know, in real time, you know, like real life yeah. or whatever. That slow-mo shot of her coming down on that. I'm like, oh, it's yeah. so bad. I think it's that's gratuitous. And oh, yeah. it's so gratuitous that even the crack of the neck sound like, yeah. and how slow it is. I think that would have played out so much better to watch how fast it happens. Yeah. yeah. You know, like literally, yeah, like in, in a split in second, an, yeah. it's done. It's so much more interesting because then too, it would take everyone a minute. Like, wh- what, just, what happened? just happened? Yeah, which and is what would you would have more... seen in if you would have if you if were in an there, arena. Yeah. yeah, that that happened. And I just, I, for whatever reason, it, I'm like, what made you think to slow mo that? Yeah, well, I think because like... it was CG and they wanted the close up of the neck hitting the stool, but. I, like you said, doing it quick and where you almost don't know what's happening would be A, more realistic, and B, more effective. It'd be more impactful. Yeah. As opposed to seeing it and everyone reaching out like, no. Yeah. yeah. It's like, come on. And like, it wasn't, it, like, I can understand if you decided to do the slow-mo from the perspective if you were looking at it from Frankie's eyes, but you weren't. This was a removed yeah. perspective yeah. on both of them. But because if it was him and being like, the stool, like yeah. him going yeah. for like him seeing yeah. what was happening in his head, because to him it probably would have played out slow. Yeah. So for me it was like, and Clint Eastwood's a, a 
you know, a great director, but I'm like, what a dumb I for like the yeah. well, and I guess it's like the stupid mo like this idea when the whole movie becomes something else entirely. Because the rest of the fights are really well shot, yeah. Yeah. really well choreographed and stuff. And even like we were talking about the funny moment where she accidentally knocks someone out and then mm-hmm. gives the shrug. It's like I loved the framing across all of this of the shots that he chose and stuff. And I like the way he directed most of the actors and stuff, obviously, except for the family. Mm-hmm. So I liked him as a director in this, except for some stuff which we'll get into with technicians. I'm 50-50 on. Um, after being fired from the TV show Family Law, Paul Haggis wrote the script on spec and it took four years to sell it. Uh, the film was stuck in development hell for years after that uh, before it was shot. Producer Albert S. Rudy uh, loved the script and was determined to make it into a movie and spent four years trying to find backers who were interested in helping him to make it. He said, quote, I couldn't get anybody interested, he said in an interview. And I'm talking about people who were friends of mine, people I've done business with for years. They tell me, who wants to watch a movie about two grizzled guys and a girl fighter? Eventually, he found someone interested, Clint Eastwood. He read the script and said, it's a downer, but God, it's gorgeous. Uh, several studios rejected the project, even when Eastwood signed on as actor and director. Even Warner Brothers, Eastwood's longtime home base, would not agree to the $30 million budget. It did make a lot of money. Uh, at age 74, Clint Eastwood became the oldest Best Director winner of this movie. But let's move into technicians and how much Sky loves the lighting in this movie. <laughs> I hate the lighting. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what's going on it's with the lighting? It's so dark. The whole movie is so dark. And, like, I okay, I get it. It's shadow and it's gritty and you're not living in a bright, happy world. Like, I fucking get it. She but... had it coming. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Much better lighting yeah. than that movie. But, like, but like how it was all dark and shadow. Yeah. Yeah. But literally there are certain scenes where you can't see people because it's so dark. You can't see what's happening, and they're having conversations, and I'm like, I literally am watching a black screen right now. No, it's true. It is all shot in black and gray. Yes, and it's like, it's, I get it. Again, it's gritty. It's dark. <laughs> I get it. Your guys' faces <laughs> during this conversation are making me so happy. But I want to be able to see what I'm watching. I look shocked when I went like Morgan Freeman, like, comes out of the shadow. Yeah, you're just watching him do that? Hey, you're not going to be like, hey man. It's also <laughs> totally unconnected. It's completely disconnected from the environment when that shot happens. How would Morgan Freeman know that he's even when he's going to be there? He's just going to hang in that shadow. Yeah, yeah. How long is he in that room? Waiting. Like, exactly, because he has to have been in position. Is there anyone in that room? What if there's someone in the bed like, hey, dude, you've been standing there for hours. What, what are you waiting for? Or at least you know, like his wingman, like, dude, the nurses are coming. Yeah. <laughs> he had to have been in position before Clint Eastwood got there uh-huh. to yeah. watch what happened and then Clint, we, so that he never sees him. Like yeah. Maybe he could have like kind of followed him to like yeah, stop so him or yeah. even just in the concept of like he, he can't do this like he couldn't live with himself and then walk in and watch him talk to her and then back away like I'm gonna let him do it yeah but he already in this big in yeah. the great moment he told him like you should do it yeah so even just him he's leaving the room with Maggie like he had been visiting with Maggie he walks out Eastwood's walking in they just see each other he looks at the bag yeah Morgan Freeman just nods and leaves exactly doesn't have to say anything you see he's there with the bag you know what he's gonna do and just leave. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what's going to happen. That would be better. I like better. the lighting in the first half because I like in the beginning too where they're boxing in a place that's supposed to be gritty and stuff. Sure. And I like the stuff when, uh, whenever Scraps is closing up for the night because the lights are supposed to be off. Mm-hmm. But it is like as the movie goes further and further, you're like, all right, now you're just, it becomes like goofy, like a cartoon. <laughs> yes. Where suddenly it's just all black and yeah, when he creeps out of the shadow <laughs> and it's like, why? Yeah. It's like Batman in the shadow. <laughs> it's just... 
It becomes too ridiculous. There's yes. so many unexplained things and untied up ends, and you're like, I don't... Like, I liked uh, the camera work a lot. I liked the use of sound throughout, especially, like, in the boxing matches. I liked the sound when he walks into the hospital at the end because there's no sound except for the heart monitor. Yeah. And then the music doesn't click on until he unplugs the machine. So I liked the use of sound. I think they did a good job. I think the editing did well with, like, the pacing and stuff and balancing the and fighting. And, like, costumes, hair, makeup, all that was great. Yeah. It felt mm-hmm. grounded in reality. It felt like it worked. Even the caricature moments with, like, the family, it works. Like, seeing them in those universal clothes, you're like, you fuckers. Yeah. Like, that was clearly probably, like, a director choice. Yeah. So you could see Eastwood saying, like, put them in, like, Universal Yeah, or stuff. Disneyland yeah. or whatever. Well, it's but, funny because like, we're basically saying that it, they're cartoonish and they're wearing cartoons. <laughs> yeah. 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 And like, you know, all the boxing clothes, danger feels like he's living on the streets, kind of, you know, scraps. Like, they all feel fine. Like, all that stuff works. Yeah. The boxing rings feel lived in. The hair and makeup and like know. the bruises and the fights and the sweats, you know, whatever it's sweating nose, and stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, all that. And like, the nose looked great. Yeah. And when they had to fix it, mm-hmm. it's like we all cringe because it looked so great. And yeah. the sound and everything together worked great. So the hair, makeup department, all that stuff, great. Yep. The rest is iffy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he won over Martin Scorsese. I know. Moving into producers, the term million dollar baby is actually from the nose art of a World War II uh, consolidated B 24 Liberator heavy bomber. Uh, but the phrase was of uh, million dollar baby was used as an insult during a pre fight um, pre fight publicity by Sonny Liston to Muhammad Ali. Uh, the latter of whom was an underdog at the time. So that must have been where they pulled it from. Or they mm-hmm. maybe used it in the book that this was based off of. Um, the film stayed uh, in the top five at the box office every weekend from the time it was nominated for Best Picture until after the Academy Awards. And the film grows. Did it two... come out December 31st? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe? I mean, close. It had to be close yeah. to it because if it was in February. Uh, the film grossed $217 million worldwide on a budget of 30 So, I mean, at least they I had their money back. zero interest in watching it back then. My I had step- zero interest in watching it today, and now I've seen it, and I have zero interest in watching it tomorrow. My stepmom and I went to see this together, and I can't remember why, because this isn't a movie my stepmom would particularly... Well, I can see if it's like... Uh, a female, female boxer, but that's what I mean. Then once you get into it, you're like, "What is I don't, this?" I, I, <laughs> my point is, I would be curious to see like what the ads were because I'm assuming they didn't sell that she's like becomes a quadriplegic. No, that was the whole thing. That's why the ending became so controversial uh-huh. is because everyone it was sold as a Rocky, like a with female, female Rocky, lead. yeah. So and that would have been like something bizarre. my stepmom would have been like, yeah, female empowerment. Let's go watch this together, you know. But I, re- I so distinctly remember seeing it with her and both of us being like, God, what was that? Like, <laughs> how old were you? Like uh, 18, what, 19? What year is this? Six. 2004 is when it came out? 2000, so yeah. It 2005. Out, but it came out in 2004. Four, yeah. So 19? 19. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does the film hold up today? And would you recommend people see it? Fuck no! <laughs> Across no. the board. Absolutely yes. not. Across the board. Watch any of the others that are nominated. Watch, watch Rocky. Or even watch Girl Fight. There was a yeah. movie that came out in 2000 directed by Karen Kusama. It was um. like Michelle Rodriguez's like coming out party where she really got a highlight. It's more of a down and dirty, like gritty boxing movie. But it's so well done. It's called Girl Fight. Watch that movie instead. It's a much better female boxing movie. Or watch Fighting With My Family, which is wrestling, not boxing, but like so fun, female fighter, like honestly, any of them, any of them before this. This was this watch the Aviator. Yeah, that's what you should watch. The Aviator should and Finding Neverland for best director, best picture. Yeah, 
best actor best Leo should have won. I do think like, Leo should have won that night. Yep. I really do. Also, if you're looking at the same year, iRobot's a really fun movie. So That's true. iRobot is This a is fun Prisoner movie. of Azkaban, it looks like, came yeah. out this year. Yeah, yeah go watch Lots the Harry Potter. Motorcycle Diaries is a good movie. Eternal like, Sunshine of the Spotless Mind yeah. definitely holds up and was, di- like, that movie I think would be a lot more in the forefront now. Yeah. That year, I think they didn't expect it to get as much love as it did and mm-hmm. intrigued, and they released it too early in the theaters. Yeah. I really hate the concept, and I hate how that affects yeah. the you awards. Yeah, something too early. Because, one, we should get great movies throughout the year. We shouldn't just get bombarded with yeah. all of them at the end of the year. I'd like them to be spread out for my own yeah. enjoyment. And they should... I think we're smart enough as individuals, and I'm assuming that the Academy is too, like, okay, so it got released in January. We can talk about it a year later. It was yeah. a great movie. Yeah. I don't understand. I hate that. but This is the year of the Passion of the Christ, too, which I personally have never seen. But, like, there's so... Many other collateral. Oh. Collateral is a fantastic movie. Sure, was Passion of the Christ movies. was up this year? I'm surprised he wasn't I think nominated this, for director. If these all came out this year, yeah. let's say like today, I have a feeling Eternal Sunshine would bump a Million Dollar Baby from even being nominated. Agreed. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like all the rest would stay. Agreed. Mm-hmm. But I mean, nowadays, um, other problems with the script that we haven't even hashed into would not be accepted. I don't think by by today, like the character of Billy the. Blue Bear, yeah. There'd be so many problems yeah. with that character for yeah. so many reasons, and the choices made with it, uh, they would, it would be a whole different movie nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like that the, she's a prostitute, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, uh, but that'll close out our discussion on the Best Picture winner, Million Dollar Baby. That will wrap up this episode of the Envelope Podcast. Thank you for listening. Please let us know your thoughts on the film we discussed here today. You can reach anyone here at theenvelopepodcast.com. Just go there to email us, check our bios, and keep up with the latest episodes. And please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It's extremely helpful. Thank you, and good night.